Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and thank you so much for tuning in to Far Rock Live. I am your host, Shirley. Our regularly scheduled program Friday had to be re-aired today due to some technical difficulties I was having with my computer. So I um, am broadcasting today, and I thank you so much for tuning in. On today's show, I'll highlight portions of a meet-and-greet event that I attended this past week in support of Senator Barack Obama. The event was hosted by women who support Barack Obama. And the event was hosted by an organization called Women Who Support Obama and was the effort of the North Carolina Campaign for Change. The function was held here in Durham, North Carolina, in a beautiful home of one of the members of the organization. The speaker for the evening was former Missouri Senator Jean Carnahan. Senator Carnahan was appointed to the Senate after her husband was posthumously elected. Mr. Carnahan, um, his son, and another person were killed in a plane crash in 2000. At the time, Mr. Carnahan was running in the 2000 election for a Senate seat against the incumbent, John Ashcroft. Senator Carnahan was the first female woman to represent Missouri in the state Senate. Senator Carnahan was in North Carolina um, making about six stops in different cities campaigning over a two-day period on behalf of Senator Obama. Senator Conahan is also an author and has written several books, two of which are If Walls Could Talk and Don't Let the Fire Go Out. I'd like to take a moment to give out the number if you want to call in. The number to call in is 347-202-0207. Senator Conahan's talk was brief, about 15 or 20 minutes at the most. Nevertheless, it was poignant and at times humorous. As she told a story or two, and one in particular gave those in attendance a hearty laugh. She said after campaigning in several cities, she was on her way home and when she and she received a phone call. The call was from someone who wanted her to go to Albuquerque to speak in support of Senator Obama. They'd asked her to divert her travel plans to do so, and to which she wittedly replied to the young caller, Honey, I'm almost 75 years old. I don't divert as easily as I used to. I've got to go home. In her opening remarks, she posed a question to the audience. Just ask yourself the Ronald Reagan question. Are we better off today than we were four or eight years ago? It didn't take the crowd of about 60 to 70 people in attendance, and to my surprise, mostly Caucasian, middle to high income women, it didn't take them long to respond with a resounding no to that question. Senator Carnahan went on to outline areas that are issues that Senator Obama is concerned about and will address when he's elected. He is interested in keeping jobs in America, and stated 
that in North Carolina alone, we've lost about 30% of our manufacturing jobs to overseas companies. And we need to start rewarding those companies who do keep jobs in America. Senator Obama is also con concerned about pay equality, equal pay for the jobs we do regardless of race or gender. The pay disparity is very much different if you are a woman of color as opposed to a Caucasian woman or as well for an Hispanic woman. She also mentioned that the No Child Left Behind was a good piece of legislation in which she worked on as well, with the exception that they left the money behind to fund it. She posed a rhetorical question that would have happened. She posed a rhetorical question, what would have happened if we prioritized Social Security? And that definitely gave the audience something to think about. Some of the other issues of concern for Senator Obama is corruption and incompetencies in government. She pointed out that we need to consider also the upcoming vacancies for the three seats on the Supreme Court. There are about three Supreme Court justices who will be leaving for various reasons, and whoever replaces them will be responsible for our civil liberties over the next few decades. Senator Carnahan mentioned that Senator Obama coined the phrase green-collar jobs and hopes to create about 10,000 of them during his term as president. Her speech was brief, and when it ended, we were invited inside to have something to eat. A few of the women waited in line before going inside to eat to have the opportunity to speak with Senator Carnahan, of which I, too, was one. I asked her why she's supporting Senator Obama. And, why, and what she wanted to say to people to encourage them to come out and register to vote for him. And this is what she had to say. Um, and I'm speaking with Senator Jean Carnahan from Missouri. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us today. I appreciate it. I see you wearing a button for Obama to hope. What does that mean for you? Well, it means that I, I really sincerely believe that Barack Obama is the president we need now for the changes we want. And I believe he'll go to Washington. He'll stand up to the lobbyists. He's not one of them. He's done this. Uh, he, he knows how to get. He knows how to get things done. And I believe that he will help to heal our divisions. And he will help to restore moral authority in the world and make us feel good about ourselves as Americans. And that's what we need. We need some inspiration right now. I think he will get that to us. Is there anything in particular that you'd like to say to the listening audience as far as getting out, registering to vote, and doing whatever they need to do to get out? Yes, it's so very important that you do. Nothing that you do in this next 40 some days will be more important than what you do for Barack Obama. We're determining the future of our country in the direction we want it to go. And he's the one that can give us the direction that we need. to get something to eat, and while standing in line, I spoke with one of the ladies in attendance. 
And this is what she had to say about why she came out to the event and why she wants to support Barack Obama. She just pretty much um, emphasized what I, or, you know, just gave me a better understanding of uh, Barack Obama's, uh, I guess, his purpose and plans. But she pretty much, you know, so after I spoke with her, I got my food and I went outside and I noticed a group of well-dressed women sitting around a table talking. So I walked over and asked if I can join the group and if they wouldn't mind sharing what brought them out to the event and why they were supporting Senator Obama. Of the people sitting at the table was a young lady that isn't quite at the age to vote, but I was still interested in getting her, her perspective on the election and her impression of Senator Obama, and you'll hear from her as well. So I'll go ahead and play the clips from that conversation, and this clip is about nine or ten minutes long. So what brought you out tonight? Uh, the fact that we desperately need to do something different than we've been doing for the last eight years, and I see Barack Obama as the one holy Barack and Mr. Thank Biden, you. Senator Biden. Thank you. I echo that. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> that I do think that um, it's so important that, that Obama and Biden are elected and that we do have change and more, um, just and our freedoms, that we would have more freedoms and more um, say in our government. Because I feel like it's going towards a state of government control and people being just, you know, told what to do. And I think that people are finding that it's easier to be told what to do, and they'd rather be told what to do. I think there are some folks that are like that, but thank God I think there's a, a larger percentage that are I, I hope so. I hope so. Like us here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, but I just feel like it's, there's so many people now that you, they just seem to be going through the most, and they don't really, they don't question. That's what it is. They prefer just to go ahead and believe everything that they hear and not question their government, not question their options. It's like they're anesthetized. They believe everything they hear, what the news media puts out there, they buy it without, without any question at all. It's like a step for the world. So, uh, women, wouldn't you want to support Sarah Palin as vice president? Isn't that what um, for me, McCain was hoping? Well, for me, the whole reason we went through the 20s with the suffragettes, got the right to vote, I'm a feminist, is because it allows me to make up my mind on any topic without being swayed by gender, but to look at the qualifications of that person and vote on their qualifications. And that is an embarrassment. It is. For yes. him to have thought he could fool enough American women by simply putting a pretty face, and she is, on his ticket, that we would then all gallop that way without looking under the covers to see what substance was there. They take that as a complete uh, insult yeah. yes, to our womanhood. I'm insulted by that, too. I was at the beach when this whole thing came down, and I was like, at first I thought it was 
kind of funny and laughable that he would do such a thing. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know, I'm really offended by that. I really, really am. The more we learned about Sarah Palin also. Right. Still mm -hmm. learning. But and I think, still it's, learning I think more. it's a slap in the face to women. It's a slap in the face. And then I also don't understand why all the stuff that he's learned about her and why she's still not. I don't keep expecting her to, I know. to drop out, I know. you know, with all that scrutiny or and everything that's going on. Rise up. Exactly. Well, I think it's unfortunately. Exactly, it's their base. He didn't have any stature with the far, far right. So her stand on abortion, as irrational as it is, is appealing. Her stand on guns is very appealing to that case. Corruption as a participant. Yeah, so right, absolutely. If she had really been on the ball, she would be out giving interviews like crazy, taking questions from all fronts on the media, exposing her abilities and skills and her intelligence and knowledge on these different topics. Instead, she's taken one soft interview on a friendly channel, which, by the way, just confuses me in this free country, how we can have a channel that is a conduit for government, because that's really what Fox is. It's just a big conduit for government stamp Republicans. But, uh, so she's had one very soft interview there and one where Charlie tried, but he's a diplomatic gentleman, but he tried, but you could see there was no there there. Now, no offense to anybody, but you look kind of young. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, 16. Oh, okay. So <laughs> you're not old enough to vote yet then. But what do you, it's, it'll be interesting to hear your perspective, though. Well, I don't know. I just think when you change and, um, Bush has just been, like, half my life he's been in office. <laughs> I, I, I really think that we have to have a better standing in the world, and so many people, like, hate Americans now, it seems like, and I don't like that, and, um, we need to end the war, too, I think, and I think Obama's closer to that than McCain would be, so, yeah. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I think a lot of people, too, are not looking at what would happen if... Sarah Palin then did become president. Yeah. I think they're, they're not thinking about how possible that is and how scary that would be. Mm -hmm. And also the Supreme Court nomination. Yeah. Oh my God. That was a good point she brought up. Yeah. 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 They're going to have three. In the term of the next president, there are going to be three that are going to come up. If you put three far right conservatives in there, and these people don't have expiry date. They leave the job when ready to. And the three that are leaving because of age and because of fatigue and they want to move on are all people who try to be rational, middle of the road, be probably tired, uh, titled more progressive. Depending upon who's in there, we'll either get progressives and logical, right-minded thinking folks in there or will not. I think there's like a flaw because when is the Supreme Court is supposed to be like fair, not like, it's not yeah, supposed it's to right. be. That's right. It's become very politicized. Yeah. It's really wrong. It was supposed to be on your capabilities, your knowledge of the Constitution, you know, be a fair arbiter of it. And it hasn't, unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's really swung, particularly in the last eight years. You know, another reason that I'm voting for Obama is that I think he will surround himself with very intelligent people and with a variety of people versus his friends he went to college with. That type of well, the thing of it is he's not afraid to be challenged. Right. He's got intellectual integrity. So, yes, come at me. Tell me why you disagree. Tell me what you think. 
you know, you look at the pool of people that he's got working with him now, they're knowledgeable folks and they're from all ranks, except for lobbyists, which I'm okay with, not having them be part of his inner circle. But he does seem like a sponge, like he's, he wants to gain all this information from different people. And, he's and not a so good Apparently, like what Taylor was trying to do is very Yeah. 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 All these, like, foreign <laughs> policy advisors. Right. All we, these, like, yeah. professors and people who've been in other administrations and stuff. Right. He has a whole um, bunch of people of uh, policy administrators that, that then reach to others. So it goes out over, like, a week. Senator Obama slammed that one right out the park. 
And then I went online to CNNPolitics.com and not only listened to the debate again, but I read the transcript. And I'd like to highlight some of the key points that Senator Obama addressed in his speech that I still haven't seen in print in any of the newspapers that I've read so far. And, on, and I really haven't heard a lot about these points on any of the news broadcasts that I've listened to. Now, I'm not saying that I've read every paper or listened to every broadcast, but what I was looking for in these broadcasts, I didn't, I didn't see and I didn't hear. So that's why it's important for us to do our own research. And CNN has made it available. They have a video text of the entire debate, and it's incumbent upon each and every one of us to do the research and make up our own minds and our own decisions about what, what's important to us. And I, I'm sure and I hope, however, that there are some printings out there that have highlighted these important points of Senator Obama's and his idea for change. And some of those points that I read in, of the debate included his belief in growing the economy from the bottom up and to give tax cuts for 95% of working families. And I believe that his bottom-up theory is a direct result of his grassroots involvement working in the communities. Senator Barack's statement, what I do is to close corporate loopholes, and stop providing tax cuts to corporations that are shipping our jobs overseas and to give tax breaks to those companies that are investing in America. And McCain supported many of those loopholes that have been written into the tax codes that support businesses paying the lowest tax rates. Senator Obama also wants to make sure that, health, that the health care system allows everyone to have basic medical coverage and he also talked about in his speech making college affordable and investing in education, specifically the sciences, math, and technology, and also rebuilding our infrastructure. He said that we have to build up our structure in order to compete in the global economy. So I'd like to take a few moments to play some excerpts from some portions of his speech. First response to you, Senator Obama, you have two minutes. Well, thank you very much, Jim, and thanks to the Commission and the University of Mississippi Old Miss for hosting us tonight. I can't think of a more important time for us to talk about the future of the country. Uh, you know, we are at a defining moment in our history. Our nation is involved in two wars, and we are going through the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression. And although we've heard a lot about Wall Street, uh, those of you on Main Street, I think, have been struggling for a while, and you recognize that this could have an impact on all sectors of the economy. And you're wondering, how's it going to affect me? How's it going to affect my job? How's it going to affect my house? How's it going to affect my retirement savings or my ability to send my children to college? So we have to move swiftly, and we have to move wisely. And I put forward a series of proposals that make sure that we protect taxpayers as we engage in this important rescue effort. Number one, we've got to make sure that we've got oversight over this whole process. $700 billion potentially is a lot of money. Number two, we've got to make sure that taxpayers, when they are putting their money at risk, have the possibility of getting that money back and gains if the market and when the market uh, returns. Number three, we've got to make sure that none of that money 
is going to pad CEO bank accounts or to promote golden parachutes. And number four, we've got to make sure that we're helping homeowners because the root problem here has to do with the foreclosures that are taking place all across the country. Now, we also have to recognize that this is a final verdict on eight years of failed economic policies promoted by George Bush, supported by Senator McCain. Uh, a theory that basically says that we can shred regulations and consumer protections and give more and more to the most and somehow prosperity will trickle down. Uh, it hasn't worked. Uh, and I think that the fundamentals of the economy have to be measured by whether or not the middle class is getting a fair shake. That's why I'm running for president. That's what I hope we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, two years ago, I warned that because of the subprime lending mess, because of the lax regulation, that we were potentially going to have a problem and tried to stop some of the abuses and mortgages that were taking place at the time. Last year, I wrote to the Secretary of the Treasury uh, to make sure that he understood the magnitude of this problem and to call on him to uh, bring all the stakeholders together to try to deal with it. So, so the question I think that we've got to ask ourselves is, yes, we've got to solve this problem short term, and we are going to have to intervene. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but we're also going to have to look at how is it that we shredded so many regulations, we did not set up a 21st century regulatory framework to deal with these problems, and that in part has to do with an economic philosophy that says that regulation is always bad. My attitude is we've got to grow the economy from the bottom up. What I've called for is a tax cut for 95% of working families, 95%. And that means that the ordinary American out there who's collecting a paycheck every day, they've got a little extra money to be able to buy a computer for their kid to fill up on this gas that is killing them. And over time, that I think is going to be a better recipe for economic growth than the, the policies of, of President Bush that John McCain wants to, wants to follow. And you, the first answer is to you, Senator Obama. As president, as a result of whatever financial rescue plan comes about, and the billion, 700 billion, whatever it is it's going to cost, what are you going to have to give up in terms of the priorities that you would bring as President of the United States as a result of having to pay for the financial rescue plan? Well, there are a range of things that are probably going to have to be delayed. We don't yet know what uh, our tax revenues are going to be. The economy is slowing down. So it's hard to anticipate right now what the budget's going to look like next year. Uh, but there's no doubt that we're not going to be able to do everything that I think needs to be done. There are some things that I think have to be done. We have to have energy independence. So I've put forward a plan to make sure that in 10 years' time, we have freed ourselves from dependence on Middle Eastern oil by increasing production at home, but most importantly, by starting to invest in alternative energy, solar, wind, biodiesel making sure that we're developing the fuel-efficient cars of the future right here in the United States, in Ohio and Michigan instead of Japan and South Korea. We have to fix our health care system, which is putting an enormous burden on families. Just uh, A report just came out that the average deductible went up 30% on American families. They are getting crushed, and many of them are going bankrupt as a consequence of health care. I'm meeting folks all over the country. We have to do that now because it will actually make our businesses and our families better off. The third thing we have to do is we've got to make sure that we're competing in education. We've got to invest in science and technology. China uh, had a space launch and a spacewalk 
We've got to make sure that our children uh, are keeping pace in math and in science. And one of the things I think we have to do is make sure that college is affordable for every young person in America. And I also think that we're going to have to rebuild our infrastructure, which is falling behind. Our roads, our bridges, but also broadband lines that reach into rural communities. Also making sure that we have a new electricity grid to get the alternative energy to population centers that are using them. So there's some, some things that we've got to do structurally to make sure that we can compete in this global economy. We can't shortchange those things. We've got to eliminate programs that don't work, and we've got to make sure that the programs that we do have are more efficient and cost less. Are you, what, what priorities would you adjust? Um, those sound like key points to me, so I applaud him for his proposal. In closing tonight's segment, I'd like to say to those who live in North Carolina, if you haven't registered to vote yet, please do so, because October 10th is the last day to do that, as well as if you've moved since the last election, you need to re-register to vote before October 10th. And don't wait until the last minute to find out where your polling site is. Make sure that you know where to go to vote. Contact your local State Board of Elections if you have any questions about the election process or where you need to go to vote. In North Carolina, again, October 10th is the last day to register to vote, so if you're not, if you're not registered, you need to do so immediately. So far, as of September 27th, the voter registration statistics for North Carolina is as follows. So far, we have 2,722,815 people who are registered Democrats. There are 1,955,114 people who are registered as Republicans. 1,405 people are registered as Libertarians. And 1,324,875 people are registered as unaffiliated. So. Those that are out campaigning for Senator Barack Obama and those who are campaigning for Senator McCain are trying to, in the state of North Carolina, that is, are trying to reach those million or so people. Also of interest is the mail-in voting process has already started. It started September 15th and will continue through October 28th. One stop in early voting begins Thursday, October 16th, and it goes through November 1st. The general election for president and other offices is November 4th, 2008. So do exercise your right. Down. 
But now it looks like things are finally coming around I know we've got a long, long way to go And where we'll end up, I don't know But we won't let nothing hold us back We're putting our shirts together We're polishing up our act
today. 